All right, the title of this message, if you're taking notes or if you're following along or just for your, uh, for you to know, is called A Messy Mind. Look at your neighbor say, Messy Mind. We're, we're doing a sermon series called Messy. And just kind of talking about uh, life's dirt and the things that we go through. And uh, last week, I just kind of gave kind of an overview on Messy. And uh, there were two other messages the Lord kind of placed in my heart with this whole context of being messy. And we talked about how our life is messy last week. And, you know, not to put people on pedestals and not think of others like they have it all together because they usually don't. And social media is a good place to have everybody's highlight reels of life, but then they don't tell you everything that's going on behind closed doors. And, uh, and even people who you would say, oh man, they must have it all together. They don't. So we talked a lot about that. And so today we're going to talk about the mind. Look at your neighbor and say, messy mind. Messy mind. So today we're going to talk about them dirty little thoughts. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Uh, you know, friends, a lot of our thoughts, a lot of our thought life um, are on the, the flesh and on uh, the sinful nature. Even back in Genesis, the scripture says that people, their thoughts were on evil all the time. So uh, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. Uh, I'm going to open this up in a word of prayer. It'll be on the screens. Father, we just come before you. We thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word transforms lives. God, we thank you that your spirit transforms lives. And Lord, we just yield ourselves to your word and your truth and your spirit. God, that your grace would be upon this message. And God, that you would speak powerfully through your word today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. Messy mind. Genesis chapter, just to give us kind of a... Uh, bring us into what this kind of looks like here. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and 6 is this. It said, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that, highlighted here on the screens, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. Does anybody know what follows that, those, those verses? Noah building a boat, okay? And actually what happened was, was the Lord actually, because of, of, of the earth and evil, we know Noah and his family were spared and he like started brand new. But think of this, just think of this for a moment. God created uh, man and woman. He created, you know, the knowledge of good and evil. He created all this stuff. He created the world for us to enjoy and to, and to have dominion over and to rule over it. And yet, we came to a point just uh, six chapters later of, of all man's heart was evil. All we thought about, I mean, think of, think of this. This time is, think of how wicked today is. This time was so wicked that God say, I'm going to smite the earth. I mean, and we have a lot of wickedness happening today, right? I mean, think of this. I mean, sex trafficking and abuse and I mean, all this stuff that's going on. And, and could you imagine an entire planet that every intention of the thoughts were evil continually? So we're going to talk a little bit about messy mind because then Jesus also tells us in Mark chapter 7, verse 20 through 23, he talks about this whole thing of, of, you know, of evil. And this is what he says. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. Mark chapter 7, verse 23 or 20 through 23. From, uh, for from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, 
right? We just talked about that. That was in Genesis. He was like evil thoughts, right? Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. And I highlighted that word defile a person because we're talking about a messy mind. So it's based on what Jesus is saying is these kind of thoughts makes a person dirty. These type of intentions makes a person messy. They come from within, right? You don't uh, one day all of a sudden, you know, just out of nowhere murder someone, right? Usually what happens is there is usually thoughts in your heart. In your mind that brought you to a place to kill them, right? You don't just one day walk up and just say, hey, you know what I mean? I'm going to rob a bank. There actually probably was small thefts that were happening in your life that you got away with. Where it built to then now you're robbing a bank, right? I mean, so it starts as a thought. The thought becomes a desire. The desire becomes an action. And it gives us that in James chapter 1, which I don't have here. But, But so it starts in our mind. Look at your neighbor say it starts in our minds. Starts in our minds, okay? Ephesians, I got a lot of scriptures here. I got one more uh, scripture. Did I don't know if I even put that up there. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 18 through 24, talks about how in Christ we become a new person. How we have all of, these, all of this evil intent and all of this stuff, but then when we surrender our life to Christ, we become a new person. So today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about messy versus clean. Say messy versus clean. And when I picked out that picture of that girl cleaning, that is intentional because in order to have a clean house or to have a clean thoughts, there's got to be a little bit of work, right? Wouldn't it just be amazing if your house cleaned itself? That would be phenomenal. Come up with that idea. You'll be a billionaire. Guaranteed. I mean, it's, it's easy for our house to look like the one on the right. I mean, if you do absolutely nothing at all, eventually your dishes will pile up to the ceiling, right? Eventually your laundry, you'll have to swim through it to get into your room. Eventually, you know, you might have boxes and stuff that just piled up. And what you have to do or what we have to do is we actually have to clean our house. Who actually in here likes to clean? Raise your hand if you actually like to clean. Okay, wait, put your hands up again. You're invited to my house. You, 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 (laughs) you're invited. There's some people, they do enjoy that. There's like a therapeutic thing of of having that mess go away, right? I mean, when when everything's clean, you just feel good. Like, yeah, everything's in its place. And and if you have small kids, that lasts for like five seconds. But there's work that's involved for you to have a clean house. And in the same way, friends, there's work involved for us to have a clean thought life. You can say amen right there. You're not just going to automatically have a, a clean thought life because you surrender to Christ. No, we actually have to work at this thing. Say messy versus clean. Right? Messy versus clean. So I've got four things here on what a messy mind is or does and what a clean mind is or does. You ready to follow along? You guys with me? All right. Number one, a messy mind is enslaved by sin. A clean mind is mastered by righteousness. If we have a messy mind, It will actually enslave us. The scripture says that we we can be slaves to sin. 
But a clean mind is mastered by righteousness or or uh, another word would be obedience or right standing or right living with God. That's what that big word righteousness is. If you got your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. We're going to read a bunch of verses here, 12 through 18. Not a bunch, but you know, small. Enough. How's that? Enough. Who actually brings their Bible to church? I'm just curious. I see, I hear Bob, I hear Bob flipping through. You got yours, you got yours. Awesome. I'm just curious. You know, I, I do, I do it electronically. I know some people, they, they love that good old, and it's, Bible has a good smell to it. I don't know. I just like that. Romans chapter six, we're going to go verse 12 through 18. Verse 12 says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. If you allow sin or our sinful nature to dominate our life, we will be controlled by its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. Verse 15. What then? I love it when he's asking questions. Are we to sin because we are no longer under the law, but under grace? By no means. See that explanation point? So I said that correctly. Is what then shall we sin because we are no longer under the grace? By no means. By no means. Right? Don't keep sinning because we have grace, right? Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So he's saying, when you present your body to sin, when you allow yourself to continue in sin, you're actually becoming a slave of sin. And it says, and if you present yourselves in obedience to the Lord, you become a slave of righteousness. You getting this? Verse 17. But thanks be to God, for you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. Do you guys get this? A messy mind is enslaved by sin. You become in, you, you, trapped, gripped. You become a slave. But a clean mind is mastered by right living with God. Righteousness. So number one, slaved by sin or mastered by righteousness. Number two, you guys still with me? Number two, a messy mind dwells on lust and perversion. A clean mind dwells on things pure and praiseworthy. Now, when I say that word lust, I'm not just talking about sexual lust that is included with that. But lust is actually things that we don't have, but we want. When a person lusts, the scripture talks about, uh, when, talking about in the Ten Commandments, it says, don't covet your neighbor's wife or their ox or their goat or their sheep or their stuff. So you can actually lust after or covet after a person, 
Or you can lust after or covet after a position or material. So when I'm using that word lust, again, that can be sexual, that can be material, that can be positional. And it says, so if we find ourselves continually dwelling on the things we don't have. Come on, someone. And the scripture talks about, it says, the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. These all come from the enemy. Okay, and perversion. Now, perversion is having thoughts twisted in our mind. Okay, again, perversion can be sexual. It can be situational. It's when we, you know, it could be you want or desire or have fantasies about something that you don't have or a person that you want or, or, or fantasizing about a position or whatever. So perversion can be in multiple aspects. Now, a lot of times, especially for men, we would fall into sexual lust, sexual perversion. But maybe you're falling into material lust and material perversion. If I only had that job, if I only had that position, if I only had this, then my life. And so, so you're going and chasing after these things that won't uh, satisfy you fully. And you'll find yourselves continually wanting and wanting. And if you continually feed lust, you'll never be satisfied. That's why the scripture says contentment. Uh, in Christ is great gain. Godliness with contentment. Thankfulness, right? Being thankful for what we have. I mean, it's difficult in our country, in our culture, because we live in a consumer culture. We're constantly being bombarded with commercials and advertisements. And, and uh, I mean, there's, there's magazines of people that have better and bigger and, and more beautiful and all this stuff. And so our, we're constantly being bombarded in our culture to actually lust after things that we don't have. A messy mind will dwell on these things, lust and perversion, but a clean mind dwells on things pure and praiseworthy. If you... Find yourself having a mind that dwells on lust and perversion. It's all for your own benefit. Because that's what it is. It's for you. Everything is about you. What you can have. What you can get. Philippians chapter 4. Now this is tough, ain't it? It's one of them tough words, right? It's tight, but it's right. Come on. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9 says, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and have heard and have seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. See, friends, when we have contentment, when we're not giving ourselves into all the things we want or, or the sexual desires that we want and we're finding ourselves like that, when you find contentment, you will have peace. Say amen right there. That's what this, come on, are we agreeing with the scriptures today? Right? It says the God of peace will be with you. So a, so a clean mind is one that dwells on things that are pure. Friends, the only thing that I know that's worthy of praise and pure is the word of God. Right? Not that you can't, you know, think about things of your job and think about stuff you got to do and, you know, and all that other stuff. But when, you know, when you're on your own terms, when you've got that free time or that, you know, you're, you're, uh, what, what do they say? Uh, that, uh, that's an old saying that, uh, it's a devil's workshop. What do they say? What's that old saying? Idle hands, idle, idle hands are, you know, a devil's workshop. 
You know, you can find yourself, if you're just like drifting off, you can find yourselves maybe falling into things that are, you know, where you're desiring things and perverse things. And I'll let y'all know, man, my, my, uh, my Amazon wish list is just as long as yours. I'm not checking that wish list every day though, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe one day, right? I mean, some of those things have been in there for years. And then later I look at it, I'm like, I don't really want that. And I can delete, you know? But thinking on things that are pure, that are excellent, that are worthy of praise, that are lovely, that are commendable. The only thing I can think of is the word of God, the Lord Jesus, and things of that nature. And when you find yourselves, remember that picture I, I, I shared of the woman that's actually cleaning. She's putting in the work to have that clean house. Friends, in order for us to rid our thoughts of these things, we got to continually think about these things. Say amen. amen. That's why I underlined it right there. Think about these things. What you do is you fill your minds with things that junk can't fill, right? You, you kind of offset it. All of these things fill our mind and hearts of these things. Number three, we're moving right along. I think this is going to be a short message, y'all. I got one more point, but I got some things I'm going to share too. Number three, a messy mind thinks they are superior to others. A clean mind thinks of themselves with humility. <laughs> a messy mind thinks it's all about them. They're the center of the universe. Most people who think they're superior to others are narcissists. Ever hear of that term before? We live in a culture where narcissism is probably the largest it's ever been ever. It's all about me, right? You know, make yourself better. Be the bigger you, the better you, the you, you, you. A messy mind continually thinks of themselves. They think that actually they're superior to others. Maybe they look down upon somebody because of their financial standing. Maybe their job status. But a clean mind thinks of themselves with humility. Friends, when you think you're superior, you put your own desires and needs above others. Ooh. And this happens in marriage. It happens in relationships. It happens in friendships. It happens in the church. Could happen in your job, life in general. But in order for you to truly think of yourself with humility, you need to think of what your life would look like apart from Christ. God is constantly reminding me what Josh Hester looks like apart from Christ. It's ugly. That's an ugly life. Right? And, and, and as, as good as you might have been living, your goodness, the scripture says, is as uh, filthy dish rags. It's dung. It's poop. Because still, it's still ugly. Because even if you're doing all of these good works apart from Christ, you're probably doing them for somebody to give you attention. Which is about you in the first place. Think of this. I mean, think of all of the good humanitarian works, and they probably are good. But how many people are on there patting themselves on the back, showing the world how good they're doing all these good deeds? They're getting their, their recognition. Right? When you truly have humanity, and not that you can't, advertise, you know, you're doing something, you know, you know, we got to be careful with all that too. Cause some people, they're all like, you know, uh, you know, you, uh, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. But friend is as, as a person who's been in inner city culture and inner city ministry, we do what's called fundraising. And in order to have fundraising, we got to ask people for stuff, show them what we're doing. People don't like to give money if they don't know what you're doing. Right? I mean, how, think of this. I mean, how is like vision and compassion and all of those angel tree, how are all of those, you know, multi-million dollar uh, ministries? Because they're showing kids faces and showing them what they're doing in these countries. 
So they're average, but they're not, they're on a, look at all the stuff we're doing. You know, they, they need money. And so we can easily do the same thing, but we got to be careful and just walk with humility, right? Just have humility, have humility. Romans chapter 12 tells us this. I probably preach this once a month. Don't I? Maybe, maybe once every two months, three months. Verse three, you're going to see the scripture for the rest of your life. Because it's going, to, it's going to continue to help all of us, right? For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of himself more highly than you ought to think. Don't think of yourself more highly. But think with sober judgment. What sober judgment? Think of who you are without Christ. Think of everything that you have now the Lord has given. Come on, someone. Each according to the measure of faith God has given has assigned. That's amazing. And then in verse, uh, verse 5 and 6 of 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter tells us to, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to elders, right? But the, the next part, I have this memorized because I just have to continually remind myself. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that at your proper time, he may exalt you. You know what this reminds me of? There's this book that I read when I first uh, went into ministry. It was actually a part of our curriculum. Uh, it was called Final Quest by Rick Joyner. And what it was, was it was this allegory of these people trying to, their life, like going up this mountain. And by the time they reached the peak of the mountain, obviously, the Lord was up there. And so there's like certain levels of this mountain where, where they're getting certain things, you know, and it's kind of like our life, you know, maybe it's, you know, you, uh, you know, you surrender your life to Christ, you get freed from sin and stronghold. And so it, like all these things, well, at this one level, uh, there's this, uh, there's this uh, angel, it's a person, but you know, represent an angel and he's handing out armor. Because people are just getting, they're getting slaughtered by, by the enemy. And so they're at the certain level where they've, they've made it up to the point. And so they're putting on this armor and this armor is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's shiny. It's like, it's strong. It's, I mean, I mean, it's impenetrable. And so the thing is, is the people that would put on the armor and then they would go fight the enemy and the armor was so brilliantly bright. It was actually blinding them in their fight and they couldn't see past themselves. But on the side where they were giving out all this armor, they had this sackcloth. And if you know anything about sackcloth, it's like itchy and scratchy and, and, and it's ugly and it's nasty. And so there were certain people, what they were doing, even though they had this beautiful armor they displayed for everybody, they would take this sackcloth and they would place it over the armor and it actually was, gave them the ability to see past themselves. See, friends, in, in uh, pride, we can't see past ourselves. We only think of ourselves. But humility is actually considering others better than ourselves and looking past ourselves. I got an illustration that I'd like to show you. I need a volunteer. I was hoping Jonas, if he wasn't busy, would come up here and volunteer. Jonas, you, are you doing anything? Can you come help me out with this? You know, I used to teach kids' church. I used to teach youth church. And I'm all about illustrations. So the scripture says that we are to clothe ourselves with humility. How many people in here got yourself dressed today? Raise your hand. Okay, how many people, maybe your spouse picked out your outfit for you, you know? Good for them, right? So, so to clothe yourself, you got to put clothes on. So here, why don't you go ahead and put those on? You're going to clothe yourself. So go ahead and put those on. They're going to be really big. 
And so it's going to look kind of funny because it's like a 2X and you're like, you know, 12 years old. And it's like a full-grown man. So clothe himself. Look at that. He's putting that on. You know, oh, look at that. Oh, yeah, there you go. Boom. See, it looks kind of funny, right? Because it's so big, right? Here, go ahead and put this on too. You're going to put that on over top of your other one. So. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's huge. Look at that. It's big. I mean, it just looks, looks funny, right? I mean, it just, I mean, see, see, my man is, he's, he just clothed himself with humility because you're looking at him and you're thinking, man, that doesn't look right. That looks kind of funny. It looks too big, right? So, right? So, so, so humility doesn't always look good on us, right? It doesn't always look good. But this is the amazing thing about humility. When we're truly walking in humility, when we're truly walking the way the Lord wants us to walk, we still will be a champion in Christ, right? Just like what I talked about, the, uh, you know, having on the full armor of God and putting on that, putting on that, uh, that sackcloth or whatever so that you don't blind yourself. You know, that's what it is. When you're clothing yourself with humility, you're clothing yourself as a champion. Thanks, Jonas. Thanks for putting that on and being my motto. You can take that off. I appreciate that. A clean mind thinks of himself with humility. Thank you, sir. Thank you for that. Yeah, you can just kick it off. Yeah, yeah, there we go. He got it. He, he's got it. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Next and final part, number four. This is where it gets fun. Got a lot of talking with this part. A messy mind thinks of themselves negatively. A clean mind knows who they are in Christ. Okay? A messy mind thinks of themselves in a negative way. I mean, I mean, how many times have you had thoughts, you know, <laughs> you're trash, you suck, you ugly, you're a failure, you're a fraud, you're fake. Right? I mean, whatever it is, right? I mean, he lies to all of us. You're unwanted. You're unloved. Whatever. I don't know. You're a loser. Who has thoughts like that? All of us do at some point. And maybe it's not those words, but there's something. Right? Because the enemy is going to attack our thought life. And he's going to attack them when, with negativity. Right? But a clean mind knows who they are in Christ. We know that we are more than a conqueror, right? We know that we are a son or daughter of the king. We know that we are seated in heavenly places. We know we are the ones in whom the Lord has found favor. We know that we can do all things through Christ Jesus and on and on and on. And the, and the promises of who you are in Christ keep going. Can I get an amen? amen? But the thing is, is that we have to have, just like when I was talking about that, that full armor, it actually talks about that in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, therefore put on the full armor of God. And then it says this one thing in verse 16. Um, it says, um, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So it says, take up the shield of faith. Yeah, boy. Uh, yeah. Take up that shield of faith. How's that? Take up the shield of faith. So that you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. Anyone here ever play darts before? You ever play darts? 
You ever have a dartboard? Maybe you, maybe you were, you know, maybe your friend had it. Maybe you're at a bar. Maybe you're whatever. And you saw this cool little thing and pay some money. And you stand right. You stand far away. And you have darts, right? <laughs> Jordan, this is my son's dartboard. And your, your goal is obviously to aim towards the center, right? And as you can see, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of spots here that have been hit, but I don't think that center's been hit. The thing is, uh, flaming darts, it says, extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The devil, whether you know this or not, has these little lies. Come on, someone, listen, listen here. That are, they're flaming because they are of, they're of the devil, right? They're of hell. And the thing about flaming darts from the evil one, they actually stick to us. So, like I said, when I'm talking about negative thoughts, right? Negative things. Man, you really blew it this time. You should just give up. Flaming dart. Man, did you see how you talk to that person? Why are you even a Christian? Flaming dart. Man, you just keep falling into the same sin issue over and over and over again. You're no good. You're worthless. What kind of Christian are you? Flaming dart. And they stick. And then we start believing these things. Man, I'm worthless. Man, I'm a failure. Man, I'm a fraud. Man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fake. Whatever it is. Whatever, whatever it is, the, the enemy lies to you. So he actually, whether you know this or not, throughout our life, is tossing darts at you. Especially if you've committed your life to Christ. He's throwing darts at me. He's throwing darts at you. He's throwing darts at your family. And Jesus, through Paul, says how we deal with these darts <laughs> is with the shield of faith. Shield of faith. And it actually extinguishes the darts of the enemy. The shield of faith actually penetrates when the devil's lying to you. And he's trying to tell you who you are. You, what your faith says is, okay, yeah, I messed up. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I, I'm not worthy. But Christ makes me worthy. <laughs> yeah, I've fallen. I've made a mistake. The scripture says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. And so when the enemy starts throwing those negative lies, starts throwing those negative things, we have a shield of faith that we have that extinguishes the darts of the enemy. Bonus round. Okay, now, um, unless, okay, no, Jesse, you can't say anything. John, you can't say anything. Any Hesters, you cannot say anything. What is the name of the shield? I, I said, Hester, don't say anything. I was going to give $5 to somebody who could tell me what kind of shield this is as a, as a Zelda fan. And you were the closest one. You get five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, she said Zelda. Okay. No, you get $5. That's, I was going to have somebody. So yeah, you get five bucks. Yeah. This is the Highland shield, obviously. You know, it is from Zelda. So that's just a little bonus round there for you. So I got that from my kids. My kids have that. Flaming darts. Okay. Ephesians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. I got one more illustration here I'm going to share. Let me grab these darts off the floor. And I'm going to need a courageous soul for this one. <laughs> Gideon, 
engaged. <laughs> he looks down at the ground. Like, no, thank you. No, thank you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Uh, I'm going to ask for a volunteer for this portion. It doesn't have to be gauged, but I have, do, I have a, do I have a willing soul who is willing to come up here? It isn't too bad. Gage. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to have you hold the dartboard above your head. I'm going to close my eyes. No, we're not going to do Absolutely not. That's dangerous. I'm killing anybody. Okay. When I think of take captive, I think of in order, in order for someone to be held against their will, they need to be bound. So would you, would you hold your hands together like that? Just put them together right here. So, so, so to take, I'm going to try to hopefully, yeah, we'll do it. I'm going to try to do it without ripping up your arm hair. I was going to use duct tape, but then I thought that would be like extremely painful. And, uh, and I figured that I was going to have a gentleman help me. And I thought, man, that would just, we're going to give them a free waxing and we don't want to do that today. So, <laughs> so, you know, I just think of, you know, someone being bound, you know, it's, it's, you have to tie them up, right? So like, have you been hogtied before? No. <laughs> okay. This is about to be your first time. No, no you're not going to be hogtied. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, I don't know. Depending on how strong you are, you're about to show the whole world. Um, can you break that? If you can, that's awesome. Then, uh, then my whole illustration sucks, but <laughs> okay, okay, good, good, good. So what I've done is I've restrained him from movement, right? I've stopped him from being able to do now. Normally what I'll do too, is I'm going to bind his legs. So then he can't move. So the scripture says that we actually have to thank you so very much for that. See, like I said, I just, I wasn't going to throw any darts at you or do anything crazy. So thank you. Thank you. It says that we are to take, thank you, sir, take thoughts captive, right? So in, I was taking Gage captive. I was tying him up. In the same way, we have thoughts, negative thoughts. We actually have to tape those things up, right? Bind those things up. I'm telling you, friends, as a person who's been serving the Lord for about 23 years now, I have thoughts that just come through my head. I'm like, how the heck, what the heck is that? And know what I do? I usually say, in the name of Jesus, I just rebuke that right now in Jesus' name. What am I doing? I'm taking thoughts captive. Now, there's times where I don't take it captive, and then my mind goes off, and I think about stuff I shouldn't think of. But for the most part, you know, in Christ, for me to walk victorious, I take those thoughts captive, just like, just like Gage, and bound him up, and he couldn't break loose. The scripture says that we are to bind the strong man, and so what you do is you actually bind those thoughts by the power of the name of Jesus, and you tell them, to go. You tell them to flee. And that may sound silly. I'm going to tell you some of the places where I get the most bizarre thoughts are when I'm in, by myself in my car. So the nice thing is, and I'm going to tell you this, I may look crazy, but I don't care. I'll be in my car driving, minding my own business. And all of a sudden I'll be having these thoughts of like, huh, okay. And I'm like, wait, how the heck did that? And I'll say it out loud. I'm like, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I just rebuke that. That's stupid. That's dumb. That's the devil. Why am I even thinking like that? Does that make sense? And in the same context, and I don't know where you're at. Maybe it's when you're late at night, or maybe it's when you're exhausted, or maybe it's when you're hungry, right? But they say, don't be too tired, too hungry, or too lonely, or whatever, right? You're going to do something dumb. 
<laughs> right? So, so we have to take our thoughts captive. So, so a messy mind thinks of themselves negatively, but a clean mind knows who they are in Christ. A few scriptures here. We're going to close. Second Corinthians, or excuse me, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Do you know who you are in Christ? If you don't, here's just a beautiful reminder of who Christ made you to be, friends. Verse 9. But you are a chosen people. He chose you. He chose me. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. I love this translation right here. God's special possession. Do you have anything in your house that's special to you? You either probably do one of two things. If you have something that's super special, you either hide it or you put it up on a display for others to see. It's special. And in the same context, God will, as his special possession, hide you in his wings in time and put you up on display in time, right? Because those who humble themselves, God elevates because we are his special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Let me tell you about the darkness that he called me out of, friends. We can see it for hours. Into his marvelous light. Just think of this. This is just one verse out of tons of verses reminding us of who we are. Chosen. You're chosen. You know, but, but maybe, maybe you were uh, uh, an accident being born. So? But you were chosen. Maybe you, maybe you were... Maybe, maybe you were given away an adoption, but you're chosen. Maybe your father abandoned you at a young age. You don't even know who your dad is. You're still chosen. Maybe your mother abused you. Maybe she neglected you. You're chosen. Maybe you raised yourself. Maybe you were raised on the streets. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many, there's so many scenarios. All of those scenarios and all of the, the broken situations and all those broken circumstances... You are chosen by God. Let that penetrate every lie. Let that penetrate every deception. Let that penetrate every thought of, of neglect or whatever you might have been through. You are a chosen people. He chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. That blows my mind. I always think of, man, you know, when I surrendered to God, when I surrendered, no, God was calling to me, even when I was stupid. He chose me. God's special possession. You're a special possession. You're not trash. You're treasure. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not trash. I'm treasure. You're not what, trailer trash. Use treasure, my friend. Christ died for you. He died for me. And then called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. A few verses here weren't close. Psalm 139. And this is why we're talking about messy thoughts. Because this is, some people think, well, you know, well, you know, God doesn't, you know, maybe he doesn't know all my thoughts. Yes, he does. <laughs> That's why we got to take our thoughts captive. Because he knows our thoughts. I mean, that might be scary, but it's not that scary if you're, if you're surrendering to him. If you're running from him, it's real scary. <laughs> right? We all sometimes run. That's okay. Run to the altar today. Run to him today. Psalm 139, verse 1 through 2 says, You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me when I sit and when I rise. Scripture says the very hairs on our head are numbered, that he knit us in our mother's womb. And it says this, You perceive my thoughts from afar. He knows our thoughts. Ooh, yeah. 
but it's okay. That's why we're asking the same thing that the psalmist is asking in Psalm 19, verse 13 and 14. You with me? Psalm 19, verse 13 and 14 says, keep your servant also from willful sins. Oh, Jesus. Keep your servant from willful sins that they may not rule over me. What are we talking about this whole time? Right? Having sin master, having sin dominion, sin over us. We're asking the Lord. Keep your servant from willful sins that they may not master over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. And then verse 14, one of my favorites. May, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, that didn't make it up on the screen. It's all there. We, no. Is it froze up there, buddy? The next script, the next verse? Or did I not put it on there? Oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, thanks. I'm going to read it one more time so that you can read it together. It says, keep your servant also from willful sins uh, may, that they may not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart, right? May the things I say in, the, in my mind, the things I think of, be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my God, and my Redeemer. And then finally, the final verse, and this is what this whole thing is about. Us having a messy mind or a clean mind. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as we perceive, as we think, go to the next slide, uh, please. Uh, this is the final one. Um, as Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, just the first part of that. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So when you continually think about things that are destructive, you're going to find yourselves just living, uh, you know, messy life. When we're constantly thinking about things that are going to put us in the right position and put us in the right place, when we're pondering on what's pure and praiseworthy, you're going to find yourselves walking in victory. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you for my illustration, volunteers. Thank you for all your help today. Lord, we just come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. And just where you're sitting right now, you can just make an altar. It's just you and God right there. And he's right here and he's in this room and I sense his presence and he's near to us. Thank you for taking steps towards the Lord this morning by joining with us in worship. And so, Father, we just come before you. We take that next step as we're here. And we ask the same thing that the psalmist asked. Lord, that you would search us and know us. I'm going to read that verse one more time. God, that you would keep your servant from willful sins that they may not rule over me. Lord, help me to be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Lord, may the words of my mouth meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight my Lord my rock my redeemer Father would you extend great grace to each person in this room God to live victoriously God and we do God we all have this mess in our mind God where the enemy is constantly fighting us and shooting darts at us and, 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 and there's times we believe the lies Lord I pray that even today would be just one step of, of greater grace where we, maybe we don't believe as many of the lies. God, taking just small steps forward. God, help us to 
know what is the truth and what is the lies in our heart and in our mind, God. Give us the discernment to, to wade through those things. Help us not to think of ourselves more highly than, our, than we sit, than we, than we ought, just living for ourselves, God. I pray that we would truly live a surrendered life, surrendered to you. Where this life isn't about just us. It's about you and then what you want us to do for you, God. So Father, we just, again, if you're in this place, we just surrender our life to you again. We surrender our thought life. We surrender our actions. We surrender the attitudes of our heart. And we say, we are yours, God. We are yours. And God, would you, again, I just pray because it's so powerful, would you extend a great grace? Grace on our life is not the ability to get away with, with doing wrong, but grace on our life is the empowerment to say yes to you and to do what you've called us to do, Lord. Extend great grace to be upon our life that we can continually say yes to you, Lord Jesus. Friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you, friends. Thanks for joining with us today.